I mean, the worst that can happen is it doesn't sound good. <laughs> and we'll know that this topic is cursed. <laughs> that is true. God's like, you will not do adjustment <laughs> disorder. The people do not need to know. <laughs> Shh, don't people, tell anyone about adjustment disorder. The people disorder. can't know. <laughs> it's one of our best kept secrets. <laughs> You're being monitored by the psychiatric something. something. The APA is like, Uh. cut their feed. (laughs) We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational and and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple of yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> it might be not safe for work. You'd probably better listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips, the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hello. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hi, Sipsters. How are you doing today? I hope you're okay. We are uh, we are recording this on July 4th, Independence Day for us Americans. So I hope you, wherever you are, are enjoying a freedom of some kind. Any kind. <laughs> Celebrating your freedoms. <laughs> Any kind of freedom you can have right now. Celebrate. Celebrate it, baby. Celebrate freedom. And... Hopefully not too, like, hot. It's been really hot around here. It's a million degrees all We're the in the Midwest, and so it's a million degrees with a million percent humidity. The air is very heavy. It's yes. just, when you walk outside, it's heavy. It's like you walk outside and Mother Nature puts a weighted blanket around your shoulders. <laughs> a hot, sweaty weighted blanket. <laughs> Mother Nature's like, you look stressed, honey. And we're like, thanks, but, oh, this is not helping. <laughs> That's a little much, Mother Nature. (laughs) Mother Nature's like, you look cold before you go outside. Here. Here, put on your parka. Mother Nature's always worried about you. (laughs) So, Anna Banana. Yeah. Do we have any pre-roll or anything today? Actually, yeah. Let's do something weird. Let's kind of reflect on the last episode. What was our last episode? (laughs) It was a million years ago. I should remember it. I can't. Karen. We talked about Karen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And even just then when you said Karen, I thought about how we had talked about how it's kind of mean that people make fun of the name Karen. Yeah. That's what first came into my brain. I'm like, what did we talk about <laughs> the Karen The concept of Karen's was it's, our topic Oh, list. my gosh. That's awful. <laughs> yes. Karen. Karen Horni. Horni, that I can never remember how to really say your name. Horni. And that was episode what number? 102. Okay. So then what's this one? The, that means this was 103. <laughs> Quick math. So you want to reflect on that because it has had an effect on your life. I think so. I think it's so. Horni's uh, big thing was like th- how like our unmet needs create specific types of neuroses in mm-hmm. our lives. And she had like very like a specific set of like what? T- 10 
13, mm-hmm. then three, and then She kind of kept going up and down <laughs> she had with some her revisions. Yeah. yeah, but I, I, I don't know. It's just been really interesting, especially, like, in work, to be seeing these, like, unmet needs and those neuroses play out. And, like, in myself, seeing, oh, wow, I really put other people's needs ahead of my own. I restrict my own. And, like, just kind of assessing assessing life from that framework. It's been interesting. Hmm. So, Sipsters, if you haven't heard that episode, I guess what I'm hearing from Anne is you need to listen to that because it might to, change your life. Yeah, you're now legally obligated to go back to, to just to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there have been other episodes that after we finish them, it kind of gives me a new insight for my work in my job as a therapist. I think something that's interesting about all the theories that we talk about and the people that we talk about is kind of the way I look at them is it's not like, oh, this person's right and this person's wrong. Mm. Like, it's just adding on to different ways to perceive things and frame them. So, like, you know, it's not necessarily that what Karen was saying was exactly right. Right. It's not like, oh, that's that's the right way to look at it. It's just like in some situations, that's going to be a helpful way to conceptualize it, I guess. Right. And to help people to sort through their own feelings and, mm-hmm. and why they do things. And, and put labels to it. People like labels. Yes, we do. That's comforting to people. That's so. very true. Oh, and um, speaking of labeling people in certain ways, this is uh, a good segue into a quick little plug. I just recently recorded an episode, my second guest spot on the Tennis Podcast. So that's exciting. So if you haven't listened to my episode on the Tennis Podcast, go do that. And then stay tuned. I think it's coming out sometime in August. But I'm I'm talking about assessments and tests and ways so to fun. label ourselves that way. So that's fun because we kind of did an episode about well, we've done more than Several, one episode yeah. about assessments because yeah. that is always fun to do. Those we talk about several. I mean that that is where I got all of the information that I ended up using on the show is because we've done several episodes about a lot of those cool tests. So I'm assuming their episodes are numbered as well, just like ours are. Yes. Do they number theirs? Yes. But so I do don't know what episode mine's going to be. Do you know what episode you were on, though? I can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I can figure yeah, it. Sipsters, if you haven't ever listened to a Tannish podcast, it's it's pretty cool. And the one that Anna did was really cool because Anna it was, was on it. the best one. Best no. one they've had so far. Yeah. Yeah. I was episode 172. Uh-huh. where I talked about the most influential experiments. Nick and I got very heated about some of the, like the Stanford one. The, yeah, like you guys were going to fight these we're people gonna or fight whatever. We're going to fight the psychologists. Yeah, I like yeah. those, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing the next one. I mean, being like the second time you worked together, was it a little easier? Yeah, You felt yeah. a little more comfortable? And, yeah. Because you and I, well, it's much easier, I think, to do this face-to-face like oh, you yeah, and I do sure. it. Oh, yeah, for sure. That um, is very different. Yeah. Because when you're working, and we've done that with other people where we, we do something, mm-hmm. uh, right. and you have to kind of wait, and you're not sure if you're right. There's always that, like, on each so other. parting the curtain a little bit. Last time I recorded with Nick for, for Tennis, there was, like, really bad technical, like, we, we had to spend like 20 minutes beforehand trying to get mm. everything set up. And this time that didn't happen. So it oh, was good. much easier to just get in the flow where you're not starting off, off with flustered. the frustration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so when it gets closer, we'll yeah. uh, have to promo I'll replug it. it. Don't we'll worry. promo it again, yeah. <laughs> Anna's spreading her little wings and flying around, flittering about to different fluttering podcasts. Around. She's going to be famous and leave me in the dust. <laughs> I will piggyback you. <laughs> Drag me You're my the little dust. Yoda, and I'm the Luke Skywalker <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> Somehow that kind of fits. I don't know. 
Okay, so we are on 103 today. 103, 103 baby. today. Mm-hmm. What's our topic? Today we're going to talk about adjustment disorder. Mm-hmm. Is there is there anything special about this subject that we should know about that uh, that that we recording should know about and the listeners listening should know about? <laughs> yeah, again, should we part the curtain again? Yeah, let's part. Let's it. part the curtain again so that let's sisters, down the curtain. <laughs> so you can know that everybody has shitty days <laughs> once in a while. That's just part of being human. Having those kind of days. That's a clinical term, by the way. Shitty day. <laughs> That's in the DSM. It is. We'll talk about it in a second. <laughs> Yeah, Ann and I recorded an episode this about episode, ad- basically. adjustment disorder several weeks ago, and yeah. there were major technical difficulties. The, the audio was not great. That's how I found out that my old mic was dying. It was it was so, <laughs> so bad that editing Anna decided it was not Editing Anna over. had a little bit of a mental breakdown. <laughs> editing Anna called her mommy. In the middle of the night. <laughs> And mommy concurred. <laughs> and mommy said, just don't worry about it's okay, it. We'll baby. do it again. It's okay. We'll just do it some other time. We'll just so, do it some other time. So this is some other time. We did feel that it, it's a topic that is important because it comes up quite often in our jobs as therapists. <laughs> and in our lives. <laughs> and in our lives. As <laughs> and in everyone's lives. lives. Yes. And especially we every once in a while refer to just the world being the way the world is right now. Not only those of us who are here in the United States of America, if you happen to be listening outside of our it. country, mm-hmm. we know that all around the world, you know, with the pandemic and everything, there's there's just been a lot of stress. Right. It just seems like every day, especially in America, but I think mm-hmm. the world, and I, I think this has to some extent been true throughout history. You just wake up and it's like, what is it going to be today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seems like there's a new thing to be very worried about every day. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense then that we are literally adjusting all the time to the stress that's around us all the time. But adjustment disorder is in the DSM-5. Yes. And so if you go to see a therapist and you're going through some especially stressful things that you're having struggle of adjusting to, mm-hmm. they may diagnose you with adjustment disorder. Yeah, and uh, I guess rule of three parting the curtain here, as a clinician, this is a diagnosis I use a lot. Me too. Very often. Mm -hmm. Because so often, especially when you haven't worked with someone for a long time, the thing that they're coming in for is an identifiable stressor that has happened in the last, you know, very short Mm -hmm. time. And it's probably the thing that spurred them to get therapy. So there's usually, it's usually easy to connect it to that and sometimes less invasive than other diagnosis that we might use that we might switch to later. I've done that before too, where I start with adjustment disorder and then go, oh, you know, this is a little more chronic. It might be, you know, more major depressive disorder. But for mm-hmm. the moment, it's an easy diagnosis to use, I think. Right. And if you're dealing with paying for your therapy with insurance, mm-hmm. we have to diagnose you with something. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they won't pay if we don't have a diagnosis, right. guys. I know that's weird. I know that we've talked about before that sometimes when you go to therapy, let's say you're just dealing with um, struggles in your relationship. We can call that adjustment disorder because you're adjusting to whatever's happening in your relationship. Within the DSM, I think we've talked about, is it V codes or Z Um, codes? I can never remember which. I think it's V codes. I think in in the last DSM, it was one. And then in this Uh. DSM, it's the other. So it's both. Okay. I think currently... 
They're Z codes. Okay. But they're basically like codes that kind of match with very normal life things like relationship strain and stuff like that. Mm, Or like- Parent-child conflict. Grief is one of them. Like normal bereavement is one of them. But insurance won't pay them. Right. (laughs) So you you might go to a clinician and they would want to give you that particular diagnosis, but they can't charge your insurance for that. So I know that that's kind of like- It's a weird balance between, you know, caring for you as a clinician, as a therapist, and knowing that we have to do business with you. We have to get paid. So adjustment disorder is appropriate for those kind of things. So so let's talk about why it is applicable pretty much anywhere right now, especially. So can we start by just breaking down the DSM stuff? Let's do that. Okay. Please. So in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, I feel like we have to say it every time. Diagnostic. Contractually obligated to explain all the acronyms that we use. Adjustment disorder. So the first criteria to meet, it is the development of emotional or behavioral symptoms in response to an identifiable stressor, like I just said, occurring within three months of the onset of the stressor. Okay, so let's talk about what an identifiable stressor is. What does that mean? The DSM explains that the stressor can be a single event, like the loss of a job, the the breakup of a relationship. Sometimes it can be death, and we'll kind of talk about how that relates to grief a Mm -hmm. little bit later. Mm -hmm. The stressor can also be something recurring, so relationship strain, it might actually count for that. Or it could be like seasonal work stress that you're going to get every year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something ongoing like an illness or a disability or just kind of a generally crappy living situation. I mean, there's a lot of ways this can look. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a single event right. that happened in your right. life. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be something like outwardly traumatic either. Things like a kid going off to school or moving into a new house or getting married. Those it, they, that's, that's a really good point. It could be a happy thing. Yeah, totally. Because those things are still uh-huh. stresses on your life and your right. routine. Right. And, and we've kind of, I think we talked before, we're going to be doing that a lot this episode because, because we've already done this episode. <laughs> About the numbers? Yeah. The, yeah. So there's a scale where it's like the, the most stressful things you can go through. Mm-hmm. And set like the top three, I think, are positive. I think it's moving, marriage, having baby. Having a baby. Yeah. yeah. Having a baby is huge. Uh-huh. Think about those of you who are parents, Sipster, if you're a parent, think about the adjustment that you went through when you had your babies. I mean, that's, it completely changes your life. Yeah, totally. And it completely changes your life, obviously, within the three months that you had the baby, but it's ongoing. <laughs> yeah, it's I a mean, constant adjustment yeah, again. Yeah. And then when your children become adults, there's an adjustment period for the, that, too. Even like going that, away to college is right. a huge adjustment. The, right. the emptiness syndrome thing, right. that's an adjustment that people could be going through in their life stage. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be a, a totally negative big trauma thing that happened. It could just right. be there's kind of trauma, like small T trauma, mm-hmm. that goes along with even good life changes. Right. So that's that's the, the baseline of what we're looking for to diagnose adjustment disorder. But the behaviors or the symptoms have to be clinically significant, which means they have to either one, have marked distress that is out of proportion to how severe or intense the actual stressor itself was. So there's a lot of like outside context that goes into that. and Like who kinda, measures that? Well, who and measure, cultural yeah. factors cultural, are huge too. Yeah. 
true. We've talked about that. How culture decides what's supposed to be stressful. Yeah. Or what's supposed to be normal grief or whatever. So so there's a lot of kind of outside influence that goes into that and how it's going to present and stuff might look differently like within cultures. But also there has to be like significant impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. So again, we've talked about this basically every diagnosis we've talked about within the DSM. It has to be affecting your life. That's that's what we're looking for. That's That's the big key. Yeah. Now here's where it might get a little dicey. (laughs) So D, the criteria D, is the symptoms don't match normal bereavement. Mm-hmm. Whatever normal means. <laughs> mm, that's a very good point. <laughs> we'll go into that in a second. But the DSM says it can still be an appropriate diagnosis if there's grief involved. But like if the, it says the intensity, quality, or persistence of grief reactions exceeds what normally might be expected within the, again, cultural, religious, or age appropriate norms. Mm-hmm. So when we're taking all those into account, again, it can be normal, can be pretty subjective anyway, but there's exactly. a lot of factors that go into what normal bereavement means in this context. So the last criteria is once the stressor or its consequences have been terminated, the symptoms do not persist for more than an additional six months. Now that's tricky. That's crazy. Because like, let's say <laughs> yeah, that the stressor really was divorce. <laughs> I know. That never ends. There's no, I mean, like, the divorce itself ends, but you're always in a divorced household. And especially if you're dealing with custody of children yeah. and visitation of children, all that. Oh my gosh. I have clients. And if your parents are with each yeah. other. Oh yeah. I have clients who have been dealing with divorce reaction, which is another diagnosis, but yeah. you don't get paid for that so one. It's a Z-Cody <laughs> one. A, yeah. Divorce reaction for years and years because they deal with their ex because of the children. and They it, have to continue dealing continues, with them. And it continues being a strain. Right. Otherwise, you know, they would probably still be married because sure. they kind of liked each other. Or <laughs> they could get, get, it's a parent <laughs> trap situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, if if the thing, even if we're looking at the single event stressor, like a huge trauma. Right. Six months, you're giving them a six-month time limit to, you should be better, you should be back to your normal routine by then? That's silly. But especially continuous and recurring ones, like, where does the timeline end with that? So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. The the timeline thing is always weird to me. (laughs) But that's what the DSM has to say about it. I guess they have to quantify it in some way. Then they also go into specifiers. So we have adjustment disorder, but then we can get more specific with it. <laughs> if you hear any kind of booms outside, it's 4th of, of July. So <laughs> this has been our life for the past three days. Oh, um, day and night. I all the time. People are just... I think it started uh, yesterday at three uh-huh. or four in the afternoon and just uh-huh. went <laughs> the yeah. rest of the day. Yeah. And, and periodically, sporadically. And Sipsers, just to, to clarify that, a lot of those fireworks are illegal <laughs> where we live. I mean, nothing's illegal on Fourth of <laughs> July, Mom. It's the purge out here. Uh, apparently. Freedom. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I love the specifiers for yeah. adjustment disorder. And there's be- a lot of them. Because <laughs> it really helps me to not just feel like I'm just slapping adjustment disorder on everybody, yeah. you know, because it does help me. Yeah, I do have a good mix of the different specifiers, yeah. actually. Uh, so the specifiers, we have to specify whether it is adjustment disorder with depressed mood is the first one. So that means anything that is with depression, low mood, right. tearfulness, that kind of stuff, hopelessness. Uh, the next one is with anxiety. And again, nervousness, worry, all the normal stuff. Uh, then we have with mixed anxiety and depressed mood, 
which think, happens a lot. I think that's the one I use that's most often. often. Yeah. Very let, hard let's to face find it, one I don't know about you, Anna, but most of my clients who have anxiety also have depression to some degree. because I the, think it's such a high comorbidity that it's yeah. like almost impossible. Because one <laughs> kind of causes the other. Yeah. Because you're anxious. Because you feel depressed, you get anxious. Like, I shouldn't feel, you know. Right. And vice versa. You're depressed and so you think, oh, I got to get over this. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. just, you know. They're so closely tied. Right. Um, So, yeah, that's probably the one I use most often. Mm -hmm. Then we have with disturbance of conduct. So that means acting out. And that happens a lot when you're dealing with kids. Yeah. Adolescents especially. But little Mm -hmm. kids too because – those of you who are parents, sipsters, you would recognize this, or teachers, or you work with kids mm-hmm. in any way, that when kids are struggling with adjusting to something, they don't know how to express that. Might they don't come even out really a know. Ragey. Right. Come they out don't a even really know that. Um, and so think about like a, a new sibling is born, mm-hmm. or that's definitely an adjustment that's a huge one. for a kid, and they might be acting out, going to a new school or. A new grade level, even. Well, and especially, I would say, especially with things that we kind of look at as more positive, like having a baby mm-hmm. and and go mm-hmm. moving. Moving, yeah. Moving is huge. We're like, the messages that especially the kid is getting around it are like positive, like, oh, this is a good thing. This is mm-hmm. a good thing. But then if they're having these really complicated feelings about it and they don't, they feel like they can't express bad stuff. Right. then that is going to come out one way or another and it might come out as throwing their toys against a wall. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, conduct is something I think that comes with little kids because they may not might not know how to express it. And right. then I think bigger kids because they won't. <laughs> right. Really, they choose not to. They or they, or they might not know just, how. Yeah. Yeah. But then we have with mixed disturbance of emotions and conduct. So that basically means conduct, depression, anxiety, all of them. Right. Got all of it. And being emotional and yeah. crying and... And then we have unspecified. For what we can't be <laughs> <decide. laughs> like, <laughs> eeny, meeny, miny, mo, uh, and unspecified. I don't know. There's lots going on. I don't know. That's like those tests where you say A and B or... All of the above. Uh, none of the none above. None of the above. That's none of the above. The one above it was uh, all of the above. Yeah. Uh, who knows what it is. But it's so, yeah. adjustment somehow. But that's that's those are all the various options we've got when we're uh, diagnosing adjustment disorder. So we do mm-hmm. get to kind of break it down as to like, and this is how it's presenting, which I think is helpful. So when when I was looking at like how common is adjustment disorder, I thought it would be a really high number. Yeah, because you and I have talked about you know that it's a high number in our, in our yeah, diagnosing. it's like eighty <laughs> percent. Yeah, I don't know really? what other people we see. <laughs> Um, but the numbers that I saw <laughs> hovered between 3% and 10%. John Hopkins Psychiatric Guide says 3 to 10%. Um, there was another source that I saw that said 8% of the general public. That's, that's really, so low. That's really low if you ask so, me. Uh, well, okay, so does that just mean that have been diagnosed that with are it? officially diagnosed? Well, the John Hopkins one says between 3 and 10% of primary care patients deal with adjustment disorder. Interesting. So that's not necessarily that they've even been diagnosed with it. They're just calling it out, you know, of their primary care kit people. It's really funny because the numbers that I found in the DSM were very different. It said the percentage of individuals in outpatient mental health treatment with the principal diagnosis of an adjustment disorder is from 5% to 20%. In a hospital psychiatric consultation setting, 
it's the most common diagnosis up to about 50%. That's what I that would sounds, say. First, yeah. like it may sound wildly high, but especially in a hospital setting where oh, yeah. like you are very briefly seeing them. And again, you're getting that like, this is what brought you in. Right. This is what happened. Yeah, that's a really good point. In a hospital situation, it's just a very brief encounter that you have with a patient. Right. And then you have to call a diagnosis on them. But I would think that that would be one of the times, though, that it would be really important to pick the right specifier because they probably are going to get medicated right. for something. Yeah. To, so you have to know if you're trying to treat for right. the anxiety or if it's a acting out thing, if that might be. So whenever we talk about a diagnosis, we always come back to like, okay, so what's the best treatment? Mm-hmm. What's the suggested treatment for this? And we almost always go to CBT. But for this one, when I looked, it said- Oh, I was going to get about to get upset because I was like, I didn't see CBT. Can we have one without CBT? No, no, that's what I was going to say. That this (laughs) one, everywhere I looked, it said talk therapy. Yay. Yay. Good old-fashioned psychotherapy. talk it out. And that makes sense that that the idea is that you have to help the client to identify, you know, to verbalize and to talk about what are, what are the things that are happening. Right. And then to talk about how am I reacting to those things that are happening and how, how would yeah. I... Yeah. I think especially at first when uh-huh. we start to work with these people, like... You have to understand. You have to dig in and be like, what's really going on? Like, what Mm -hmm. is causing this reaction that you're having? And then working on finding better ways to cope with it, basically. I mean, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of our job for everything. But, but like, especially in this, we're going to think about, like, coping mechanisms for yourself. Utilizing social support is going to be very helpful. Because especially, like, the Mm -hmm. people around you to be aware of how the adjustment's affecting you. Because it's probably affecting them too right especially in like a family setting especially if we're dealing with the kids you basically have to have the parents involved to Mm -hmm. some extent just to have some awareness and some communication going on i would generalize that just kind of a sidebar about children and therapy if you're noticing in your children that they need therapy the family needs therapy yeah, because they're kids and they mm-hmm. are still very much dependent on what's happening within the family and they need the support of the family. So right. even mm-hmm. if it's a very specific thing like ADHD or or they're on the autism well, spectrum, the well, family really needs to get- Especially like pervasive disorders like the ADHD, the yeah. autism. Like yeah. you need to know how to adjust your family routine right. to help the kid. Right. So don't look at it like I'm going to send my kid to therapy and fix them. Right. And then they'll come home and be able to do my like, totally fit into normal our, neurotypical right, routine. Right. They'll fit into our neurotypical plans. No. That's not the way life works. We come to therapy. And one of the things I say the most often to my clients is like, your brain doesn't work like other people's brains. Right. We need to find out what works for your brain. Right. Because that's going to be very different than even what might work for your family and their brains. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's going, we need to be able to say like, my brain does this differently. So I've got to adjust accordingly. Right. There is a scale for adjustment disorder as we're talking about tests and assessments. Oh, cool. Um, Let's talk about the scale. It's called the Adjustment Disorder New Module 20. <laughs> it sounds very like catchy. Jetsons <laughs> yeah, it does say. <laughs> it's, really like the, it, it's shortened to ADNM 20. It's like, that sounds like a robot name. Right. Or something you get into transport you from one place to another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my ADNM's here. I got to go. <laughs> 
Um, it came out in 2016. It consists of two parts. The first part is the list of the stressors. And then the second part is like the symptom item list. It has 20 symptoms, um, basically kind of going over what we talked about a second ago. So reactions to the stressor in terms of mood, anxiety, avoidance, impulsivity, they're, they're all part of it. The test taker basically says, like, on a four-point Likert scale from never to often, mm-hmm. like, how often those symptoms occur in their life. In the past two weeks, specifically, they kind of cut it down, too. But it seems like a pretty good test, and it's I, I've never heard of it before. So you get a score of, like, how severe your adjustment disorder is? Is that the yeah. idea of it? Like, so if you hit a certain number, it's like, oh, yeah, you got it. I you got it bad. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, would just, I would assume it's more a severity and, and less of, like, a you have it or you okay. don't. I mean, it's kind of like depression inventories right, where right. we basically say, like, how severe is your depression right, right. now? So. And then ideally what you do is later on after you've had some therapy, you redo the assessment again and hopefully the number is less. And, right. And you're like, whew, we did some good. It actually worked. So I would like to, Anna, I'd like to kind of go in a, in a weird sideways direction with it because... It's not totally sideways. It's like it, catty corner. It's like a catty Diagonal. <laughs> Well, you us. even you even mentioned grief like as one of the yeah bereavement's part of the it's definition. Part of their, yeah, but I think there's a weird tangled mm, pile of information, <laughs> tangled octopus legs. <laughs> because as we talk about adjustment disorder, what keeps coming into my brain and what we've talked about is right now in the world we, we have a, an ongoing adjustment situation. First and foremost. Because the pandemic is still playing itself out. Right. And so we're all still adjusting to the changes in our world, in our society, in our life because of what happened in the last couple of years with the pandemic. So we have an adjustment. I have some statistics about that. Do you want to hear those? Yeah. They're kind of wild. They're not what I expected. Um, So this was collected in the first quarantine period. So between March 25th and April 27th of 2020. Um, And it was like a self-report survey to measure how like prevalent and severe adjustment disorder was in in the people in the study. It says the current COVID-19 pandemic was highly stressful for over 75% of the participants and the most powerful predictor of adjustment disorder. 49% reported an increase in adjustment disorder symptoms, Mm -hmm. which were more common among females and those without a full-time job. Which is kind of interesting because you would think that the people with the jobs who are trying to adjust to like work from home. You would think they'd be more stressed. Yeah. But maybe the people who are usually at home all of a sudden had all these people there. It's <laughs> like, get Why out are of my you sanctuary. <laughs> this is you the time of the day I usually watch my soap opera. <laughs> exactly. When, but now everybody's oh, – well, and you know the stay-at-home people had to all of a sudden school their kids. That's and- true. That is really true. deal with their spouse who was usually at work or whatever. But it said only 14% of the sample met the criteria for diagnosis of adjustment disorder. I, I, with 49% in, yeah. like reporting an increase. They were being strangely strict about that. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. A significant portion was also positive for generalized anxiety, 44%, and depression, 26%. See, I think the generalized anxiety doesn't fit if they're reacting to the pandemic. No, it's very specific anxiety in this case. It's not just (laughs) I was – I am very specifically (laughs) anxious about the the plague. Right, exactly. Uh, it's not general just because it's happening all over the world, guys. Right. That's not what that means. But part of that tangled web of 
ball stuff that I talked about a second ago. I'm going to keep referring <laughs> to it. A tangled web of balls. Of, like, a tangled of, ball of balls. webs. <laughs> but like a ball. Think of Don't like get a- your balls tangled, everyone. <laughs> think of like... <laughs> I'm trying to think of, of like, why is spaghetti? I'm hungry. Maybe that's why spaghetti I'm hungry gets too. Like noodles. Mm, mm, noodles. A tangled no. ball of noodles. I'm actually thinking of like yarn. But like you didn't. A tangled ball of Christmas lights. <gasps> oh, that's a great example. <laughs> oh, I hate when that happens. Okay. And that's even better because that's kind of what therapy is. So like therapy is when you bring your ball of like tangled lights in and we have to keep like plugging it in and unplugging it to see where like the the lights go to see uh-huh. you know what i mean boy that's a really good do you use that in therapy no i'm I gonna just start of it using now. it <laughs> i'm gonna steal that okay add it to the list of things you steal from me to use with your clients i know i've got a big pile of things <laughs> i steal from i've you. got a big pile of balls of things that i steal <laughs> balls. okay so, <laughs> the point Sorry, is God. we keep going back to the balls um, as, as we often do on this show <laughs> That's the show. Floyd would say it's basically <laughs> penis envy, but you're stuck on that part. Freud was very concerned with the penis. Didn't talk much about the balls. You know, he didn't talk about it at all, did he? <laughs> no, I don't think that was... Did he have some he kind of... He didn't tickle the balls much <laughs> at all. Maybe he had an apprehension about that or a phobia. He had, he had about... some repression about the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and, some, and a fixation oh. on the penis. Maybe he thought of it all as one package. Maybe, maybe that's yeah. You know, he didn't separate the, the, the two. genitals. Yes, as one package. <laughs> you know, just keep saying package because that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to get to a very impressive point, but I know I'm not going to get there, and that is that grief is something that's in this tangled yeah. ball of lights because the whole adjustment disorder could be based in grief. Like like you could be having adjustment disorder because, okay, let's let's start by talking about like if your spouse dies. Yeah, the loss of someone. Right. So the adjustment of living without that person is adjustment in itself. But grief is a huge part of that. And so then it kind of becomes confusing about well, where's my grief end and where does my adjustment disorder? Well, you're grieving so much you're grieving the loss of the person but then you've got this whole other kind of grief which is grieving the life that that you had while that person was around and even grieving what you thought life would be like with them in the future grief is a very complicated topic Mm -hmm. and when it puts a deadline on like well after six months you gotta you gotta be be snapped out of it you gotta be that's crazy And back to the idea of different kinds of grief, this whole pandemic thing, in my opinion, has caused kind of an ambiguous grief of like, we're not even really sure what it is we're grieving, but we're all grieving. We're showing symptoms of grief Mm -hmm. as a society. Yes. And individually, we are showing these symptoms. I have clients who come to me who are showing very specific symptoms of grief, but they haven't had like someone die or they Mm -hmm. haven't had a divorce or like what you would expect them to be having. And it's because of life in general and how a loss of normalcy has Mm -hmm. happened. Well, we've had this loss of normalcy, but we've had to just kind of keep going. Like we had the quarantine, which was like, everybody stop. Mm -hmm. But then once it kind of became clear that COVID wasn't going anywhere, everyone just was kind of like, well, I guess go back to your normal stuff, quote unquote, normal stuff. Right. And then we've just had to adjust to this like new normal thing. Right. 
and it and has caused what we call ambiguous grief. Mm-hmm. We also use that word in other situations where we are grieving, we're not really clear what it is we're grieving about. So if you are in a very tumultuous relationship, you might have symptoms of grief because you just can't find a way to make it better. Yeah. So you're grieving being able to fix it. The other kind of grief specifically that we sometimes talk about in therapy is anticipatory grief. Specifically, maybe an example of that would be like if you have a partner or a parent who is dying of something, and so you're anticipating their death, but you don't know when it's going to be, so it's ambiguous. Right. So those, again, are tangled in the lights. Right. Right. But also the pandemic thing has kind of an anticipatory (laughs) grief to it because it's like, first of all, am I going to get it? Am I going to die? Is someone I love going to die from it? Mm Mm-hmm. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to affect my job? Is right. It gonna, is yeah. It, and then you hear these terrible stories about the vaccines or you hear the terrible stories about not wearing a mask or whatever. There's a lot tangled up in that that is causing <laughs> There's this. There's so much I don't know what to grieve I about. I know, I know. So I, I think that grief is a very huge part of our overall adjustment disorder that we have as a society right now mm-hmm. and that we're seeing in a lot of our clients. And Sipsters, maybe you're feeling it and it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're hungry for something, you don't know what you're hungry for, but this is like you're grieving something and you don't know what you're grieving. Right. Or you're anxious about something you don't know what you're anxious about. I, I often have clients say to me things like, Either I don't know why I'm anxious. I'm not worried about anything. I don't have anything to be worried about. Or people will say, I don't know why I'm depressed. I don't have anything to be sad about. Mm. We want to point to it. This goes kind of back to the label thing. But we want to be able to point to something and say, that's what's causing me anxiety or that's what's causing me depression. And I think we've been conditioned to say like, well, that's not sad enough. Like that. That's not a good enough reason to be sad. Or I don't have it so bad. Right. Some people have it so much worse than me. God. Why should I be depressed? I hear that the most from yeah. depressed people. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's a big one. Like my suffering isn't bad enough to warrant this level of sadness. Right. And I think that people who are dealing with adjustment disorder might get caught in that same trap. Mm-hmm. They might look at their life and say, well, it's not like I've got a divorce or somebody well, died. especially or, you know, if it is, if they're adjusting to like marriage a thing. or yeah, a yeah. baby. It's like, right. I shouldn't I shouldn't be complaining about this. Right, right. That, that is something that I think people, we, we get that guilt thing about mm-hmm. we shouldn't be feeling that's that should thing that we talk about a lot. Which is a CBT thing. <laughs> it is. <sighs> it always comes back. But that's okay. We can use we CBT use it. sometimes. We use it. So I have a kind of a weird question. Would you use a different treatment style, I guess, on someone who had like a single stressor versus like a continuing stressor? Like, do you think that would look different? I think that part of it would look different because I think if there was a single stressor, we would talk about that single stressor repeatedly, like mm-hmm. like you do with trauma, mm-hmm. deal with it obviously like it is a trauma because it's a trauma, and take some of that power away from it, like, right. okay. and then, That's a really good way to say it. And then say, okay, now you've dealt with it. It's in the past. Yes, it will always be part of you. That's one of the things we talk about with trauma. Yeah. It will all, always be part of, you know, your, however you look at that, the tapestry of your life or your life resume or whatever, but it doesn't have power over you anymore. It's in the past. When it's an ongoing kind of stressor or like the pandemic stuff, mm-hmm. I think you have to deal with it like, yes, it's still happening, but yeah. we can cope with it. 
in an ongoing way. And every time it starts to well up in you and starts to overwhelm you, then what are you going to do? You know, how are we going to build these coping skills for an ongoing stressor? And again, I mean, I think where they're similar is that is just different ways of trying to get control over your own life again. Exactly. It's different ways of like, okay, either this thing huge happened or this thing is continuously happening to you. That doesn't mean it has to control you. Exactly. I think that a huge part of therapy is helping people to regain their sense of having control or power, whichever word you want to use, over their own life. Of having them realize... I make choices every day. I can't control everything that happens to me, but I can control the way I react and I have the ability to make choices, even in those situations where you feel like you don't have a choice. Because I do, and I can relate to that. I'm sure you can too, Anna, Mm -hmm. that there have been times in my life where I think I'm so trapped. There's nothing that I can do to make a choice here. Right. But even in those worst trapped feelings, there are still choices. They might seem impossible, but there are choices. And sometimes, this is the existential nihilist in me, Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't. Sometimes there's really literally nothing we can do about that. And in those cases, what can I control? Well, I can control what color I paint my nails today. Mm -hmm. You know, like that may seem stupid, but sometimes we have to really focus in and say, okay, even if it's on a very micro level, Mm -hmm. what do I have control over and what can I feel grounded in? Right. If there's an overwhelming situation that that you are not in control of. Because truly, there's nothing that you can do about a, a global pandemic. No. But you can choose yourself- whether how you, you handle it, right? Whether or not to you're it. going to have the vaccine, whether or not uh-huh. you're going to wear a mask, you know how you're going to stay as healthy as you can, right? And how you're dealing with that. I know that one of the things that with adjustment, when people come in and they're and they're dealing with the end of a relationship, and that adjustment is painful. Mm-hmm. Where I was going with that, and I went in the wrong direction, was that feeling of being trapped. <sighs> I've had several clients who are in a relationship and they feel so trapped in that because they're unhappy, but it's like, well, there's no way I can get out of it because if I do, then I would lose my kids. I I don't have a good enough job mm-hmm. to support myself. Yeah, the there's so many. Up a lot. Oh, there's so many reasons. But even in that, like you said, Anna, you can make choices within the moment. Mm-hmm. You can decide uh, little things for right now to know right. that you still have control over your own life. And then maybe you can work your way up to making a huge, Well, and that you know, would be the ideal is yeah. like, okay, with those small instances of control, eventually you build up that confidence in yourself that mm-hmm. like, okay, I can't handle having control of things. Right. So let's work up to it being bigger things. Right. And that would be huge in dealing with depression or anxiety specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it looks similar. When we're talking about treating adjustment disorder, mm-hmm. I don't think it would look super different from treating someone with just straight up anxiety or straight up depression. No. I mean, your adjustment disorder is a very big umbrella. Right. That has a lot of those specific. So it's more like when we do the specifiers, that's going to inform our treatment more than right. just the adjustment disorder exactly general stuff that's a really good way to say it conduct is hard though man i mean either you're talking to a little kid where again they might not have the vocabulary Mm -hmm. or they just truly don't know what they're feeling like they don't have like you might have to like start really basic of just like feeling identification which sometimes we have to do with grown-ups too don't get it wrong (laughs) amen to that sister sometimes we have to start from square one straight up so sometimes that's just where you have to begin anyway 
But like, that's why it's hard with kids. And then you've got adolescents where sometimes it's just hard to get them to talk at all. (laughs) I think adjustment disorder um, is one of those things that if you go to therapy because you're having struggles that we would classify as adjustment disorder, hopefully it's not like you're going to be in therapy for two years. No. You know, it's probably going to be pretty short term. No, we were kind of shitting on the time schedule, but like it does tend to be shorter if it is just like, especially like one stressor or a stressor that has an end date. Right. I literally, in the last couple of months, I've had three new clients (laughs) <laughs> either I'm really good or I'm really bad. Three <laughs> new clients who, who came two times and then didn't and then come back. Like, I'm but, fixed, thank you. And two of the three actually said to me at the end of the second session, I don't really feel like I need to come back anymore. Wow. And each of the three were dealing with just a very specific situation. Mm-hmm. And we talked through it and we talked about why it was okay that it affected them. Because that's that's a big thing that we Honestly, go through. Honestly, that might have just been all they needed to hear. To be validated that like, I'm, okay, not crazy I'm not crazy for being upset exactly. about this. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, to talk about how they're going to cope with it going forward and and they're all relational, you know, relationship-oriented situations. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'm saying, Sipsters, is if you've, if you've never done therapy and you're listening um, to this episode and thinking, gosh, I think I have adjustment disorder because of the pandemic or because I just changed my jobs or I just got married or, or I just had a baby. Died. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A pet died. Mm-hmm. That's a That's huge a big thing. one. Yeah. Because um, I don't think people would put that under like normal bereavement. Well, most people probably would. Like lay people would. Lay people would, yeah. I don't yeah. know if the DSM hoity no. McToities would. No. <laughs> the intellectuals, <laughs> the academics over there. Sitting in their ivory cold-hearted <laughs> psychiatrists. But if you're thinking, you know, well, I guess I could maybe, it would help me to have some, but I, I don't want to do that and get all, be in therapy for years <laughs> or whatever. Mom just proved you can go yeah. to therapy twice. You can go <laughs> zing and they fix you, though. <laughs> if you come to mom, she will snap her fingers when you walk in. Three sessions or less. <laughs> My magic wand. Or, or your money back. <laughs> I say that, but I do have clients that I've worked with for years now. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. We've only <laughs> oh, been yeah. doing it for a few years, and I've... <laughs> I've know, oh, so, I've had yeah. some that I started with. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple of One, just one. We always go back to get get, get counseling. Go to it therapy. Never, yeah, it never hurts. We should, we should have like a little jingle. That's I have about. been considering introducing new merchandise, some go, <laughs> some go to therapy merchandise. That would be very cool. <laughs> I think that might be fun. Yeah. Okay, so what haven't we talked about with adjustment? I don't know. I think this might be just a shorter episode. Short and sweet. Short and Bye, sweet, baby. baby. Just like us. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we get some merchandise like that. Bonnie short. Nana, short and sweet. No. <laughs> the short and sweet counseling short and experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I think adjustment disorder is one of those things that has a lot but also is kind of baseline, relatable, simple enough to be pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. The name says it all. Yeah. Adjustment. Adjustment. And then is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it behavior? Is it all the above, none of the above? That's it. Unspecified. Unspecified. I don't know. Sounds like adjustment. <laughs> You're adjusted to something. Who knows? <laughs> and right now, I'm just going to go back to it again. We're all adjusting <sighs> There's always every things. day. And actually, that's what life is. Life is constant adjustment. Yeah, honestly, even the identifiable stressor thing, like literally all the time you are growing and changing and adjusting to something. Right. 
Just the aging of your body is yeah. adjustment. Just different stages of that. life. Different, yeah. Just the world changing around you. Yeah. You're always adjusting. The people in your life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of adjustment going on. So Because even, I mean, from, from the time you enter into school, that's an adjustment. Then mm-hmm. you go to high every, school, that's an adjustment. Every year you have a different teacher or new uh-huh. teachers. You might have new classmates. Yeah. Learn new subjects. Things are always changing around us, and that's why, again, like even going to therapy, like sometimes we just need help adjusting. Sometimes we need help coming up with new strategies for things. That's exactly right. All right. So adjustment, it's what life is. (laughs) Adjustment. (laughs) That's all there is all the time. Okay, um, I want to thank the Sipsters, <laughs> but I also thought, you know, since you brought up the merchandise stuff, uh-huh. you want to talk about that? Um, um or just no, no. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about it next time if right. there's actually we new have... merch and when right. I figure that out. All right, but if you want to, if you want, if you are interested in merch, go to FreudianSipspod.com, and there's a link right on the front. It'll take you to our merch page. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Is, do you want me to talk more about it? We have no. shirts. No, no, no. That's good. <laughs> Are you that's sure? Because you sound sad. No, I'm just. No, feeling that's fine. Like, I didn't. No, I wasn't actually. It's all right. I didn't actually want to. It's okay. Passive aggressive. Yeah, right. I feel like going. I feel like you're not okay with it. Let's hash it out. You talk about merch if you love merch. No, so I'm much. not going to talk about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, she looked away dramatically no. from the microphone when she said, "No, no I shall I'm not, not. Talk about merch. I shall not. I will say." Thank you, Sipsters, for joining us again. It's always good to have you with us. And we encourage you to invite your friends to listen to Freudian Sips. Uh, yeah, uh, listen to Freudian Sips. Go listen to Tennis if you want to hear more of my stupid voice. Your beautiful, melodious my- voice. <laughs> and your intellectual wonder. It might be one of those things. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yeah thank you so much for listening please do join us for our next episode i'm sorry our upload schedule has been really inconsistent one of the reasons we wanted to talk about adjustment disorder is because we're also always adjusting to things that's right and life can be very crazy so um thank you for kind of sticking with us and being patient we do have a huge backlog of episodes so i hope you're listening to those i hope if you're discovering us new that you're going back and listening to some of our old stuff because it's good stuff please do it's quality content guys but meanwhile you can find more of us on twitter instagram facebook we are freudian sips pod on everything and like i said our site is freudiansipspod.com it has all of our merch links and our episode links and all that good stuff if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email us, FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. And please remember, wherever you're listening, to leave us a nice rating and review, if you can do that, just to give us some validation and some acknowledgement. We'll read it. We'll read it. And we'll say hi to you personally. Yes. On and air. we'll appreciate you personally. And we'll appreciate you so personally. <laughs> Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.